0: Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. All right. I brought my whole Bible out here this week, so it's on. All right. It's not that I don't always bring the Bible. I just brought the like full-on paper version, bought it in high school. Yes, paper Bibles. And they're so precious. It's like... I tell you what, I love this Bible. I can flip to every passage. Like, I worked at a summer camp in college, and I had to speak for chapel every day, five days a week for like eight weeks straight. Like, and basically the same five messages every week. But so I had like the five verses that I like talked about, like, or the passages each day. And because it was in Arizona, every one of those pages is like brown. Because it's like everything in Arizona is dirt, and I would like preach. And then I'd have my finger in my Bible, and, like, I'd be, you know, holding it and whatever. It's so like, right inside there on every one of those passages, it's, like, rubbed with Arizona dirt from 15, 17 years ago, whatever. Gosh. There's something, like, there's something that an app cannot do that this can I tell you what, like it is, I love the apps, the Bible apps, all the digital. I love it. I use it like every day. I search for stuff. I've got like 85 versions of the Bible in my pocket. But man, the highlights that I wrote as a junior in high school and the notes in my margins that I can go like, you can't do that on a phone. You just don't have that. Like, anyway, are you with me on this? You guys are all like paper Bibles. You're so old, Ben. No, like, come on. Come on, get one. Get one now and keep it till you're old like me. I'm serious. It's cool. And keep taping it together. I've had like 85 strips of duct tape, you know, that I've progressively destroyed, but I'm keeping that Bible together forever. Anyway, how's it going? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Yes. How many of you like like Easter? Easter? I know, right? Easter egg hunts and all this good stuff. Like, How many of you still did an Easter egg hunt this Easter? Okay. Yeah, we still got some of you that are fun. The rest of you are like, I'm too big for that. Like, lame. Anyway, you just got to talk your parents or grandparents into putting money in the eggs. That's what sweetens the deal when you're your age, right? I know. My wife's parents are awesome about that. They had like They put, like, they hid, what, 94 eggs in their basement for our kids, and, like, half of them had dollar bills in them with the candy, so our kids came home with, like, a bunch of ones. You know, it's not, like, ridiculous, but it was awesome. I was like, hey, this is great, so we don't even have to give allowance this week. Anyway, all right. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, I just, I think it's cool, guys. The Easter reality is so Phenomenal, and I know it's like, oh yeah, it's about Jesus, and he rose from the dead, hooray! And I think, like, it is. It's like a what in the heck? This is like, he rose from the dead, and none of you are impressed, (laughs) and everybody's like, yeah, Ben, I know. No, you'd like when you know, it's like different. Holy cow, I guarantee like Tiffany Aiken and everyone who knows her th- sees that different because they were there when Tiff died like four times in one day. Twice, two times. She was like, well, it was very tragic. Anyway, she died. Flatline, ambulance, the whole deal done. Brian Leach, she pulled over his face, dead, declared dead at the scene of the accident. He's a pastor here 35, 40 years later. Like, Come on, right? Like, this is nuts, but, like, what Jesus did and how this whole thing came down was such an incredible transformation in all of the ways that everyone had ever done anything before. And I continue to get in these discussions as I talk to Christians, okay, like, all across. Like, it's pretty common knowledge among our house here and a lot of streams, like, understand this reality that, like, we are not, as believers, trapped in our sin anymore, There is a lot of the Christian world that believes that you get saved and that sort of like gets you an entry pass to heaven, but the rest of life is suffering through hell and trying to not sin as much. But the reality of the gospel and what Jesus did on the cross was he broke the power of sin and death over your life. You are not a slave to your sin anymore. Your sin nature that you were born with, died when you placed your heart and your life and your faith at the foot of the cross and said, Jesus, I can't. And if you're still trying to perform and earn your salvation, get your face at the cross and say, Jesus, I can't. Because I guarantee you're worn out if you're trying on your own power. How many tired in this room? Come on. And I do. Even, even knowing as saved as I am, I, I all the time constantly struggle with entering into striving And getting really proud of myself. Wow, I had a really good week, God. I am so, oh, crap, it wasn't me that did it. And coming to that place of like, it wasn't me that broke the power of sin over my life. It was him. And it's always him. And it will always be him. And I get to walk out victory every day in my life. Get to. Like it is not a like, oh, my gosh, I just hope I don't. Screw up today. It's like, no, I do not have to screw up today. I really don't have to bow to the slave system that I was born with. Because Jesus did something. And if you're still a slave to your sin, then get saved. Seriously. If you said a prayer when you were four and you think that checked it off the list and you're still a slave to your sin issues and your temptation, try it over again. Because there's more experience and freedom for you and your life and your heart. That's what Easter is. He did it. Before Jesus, it was. It was all about can I measure up? Can I live righteous? Can I do this? Can I? And where I screw up, I'll slaughter a lamb and he'll cover that for a while and take that. Like, that was the system, and it was all part of God showing man you cannot save yourself, you cannot be good enough. And you'll hear that from people all around you. Oh, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I'll, go, I'll get to heaven. I mean, look at him. Look at him. Yeah, I believe I'm a good enough person. Wrong. We are not. The Bible's so clear. It's stupid. Like, it's like, seriously, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It does not matter how much you've sinned. You don't measure up. Apart from the cross and the blood of Jesus that covered and made you clean and made you free, that's it. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Okay? A gospel that says, good, you get to get in heaven. Now live through hell till you die. Is not good news. It's not. Good news says you're free. Live it. Share it. Experience it. Walk it out. Does that mean nothing hard will ever come at you? Nope. Because... Resistance makes you strong, okay? I'm not saying that the minute you get saved, your temptation disappears. It just doesn't own you anymore. So you have to have a shift in your mindset that says, nope, I am not owned by that like I once was. So if that is, if it's pornography, if it's an obsession about how you look, if it's an obsession about having friends and finding intimacy and people and a fulfillment with drugs or uh, like there's so many things that our world has to offer. Richie Seltzer was like, said it last week, like, oh, I forget how he said, in a world full of options, I forget exactly what he said. It was really good and powerful. What about a generation that will choose God in the midst of options or something to that effect? What power is that reality? You have so many options to try to satisfy your lives. In some ways, it breaks my heart. Because you go to third world countries where there are not options, all they've got is, will I get a meal today? Choosing God is a pretty basic decision for most of them. Like, they'll starve to death? Jesus. Like, America is like, well, gosh, which restaurant do I gorge myself at today, and which app do I open, and how many social media accounts do I need? Like, this is like, oh, yeah, I guess giving my life to God becomes like a real decision for your generation, but what does that actually do? It puts credit, it puts clout, it puts power behind your yes. Your yes is so ridiculously powerful when you can say to God, I... Everything else, it's over. I want God because nothing else has satisfied. And if you're trying everything else, you know it's not. Yet you continue to try. You're like, oh, this will work. This will surely work. And you lay in bed at night going, this sucks. And I am empty. And I've had and girlfriends. And I've had this and this and this. And I've tried that drug, that drug, that drug. And if you haven't seen the end of that road yet, look around your culture okay? Overdosing, drug addiction, rehab is like a growing industry in America. That's a problem. Rehab is a growing industry in our world. Yet every day, more and more people seek drugs and alcohol to satisfy that hole in their heart. I can tell you where it will lead you. I I like right now, Because there's a growing industry of rehab centers for simply that to get people unstuck from something they thought would be it. It's crazy, guys. And I love the story when Jesus comes and meets his disciples because, like, how many of you have ever had, like, a God encounter? And it's like, oh, man, this is amazing. Anybody? Come on. Oh, good. Good. How many of you somewhere in a time period after that had just a season of like fear and worry and concern. Anybody? Yes. Oh, wow. That does happen. Guess what? It's not new for you. You're not the first one to feel that way. I love looking at the life of the disciples because they were kind of idiots with the greatest opportunity in human history. Because these are like 12 guys that we know of for sure, 11 of them that made it past the whole, you know, night of the crucifixion. And there was always, there was all these other disciples. It always talked about Jesus' other disciples. There were always people following him, okay? 5,000 people just gather on a hillside to hear Jesus talk. They're all going like, who is this Jesus? That's a disciple. We know of the the 11 who were Jesus' closest. But these guys experienced three years of watching miracles. Put yourself in their shoes and go like, yeah, that 5,000 people we fed, that was cool and oh yeah the guy that was like hadn't walked for 40 years that was cool and the leprosy that was healed and the eyes that were opened and all this kind of stuff jesus goes to the cross after he tells them i think like 6 or 7 times at least not counting all the prophecies of the old testament that said that he would be crucified and killed okay but five or six times in the new testament jesus while he was alive with his disciples says and i will be raised up on a cross dead you know i will rebuild this temple in 3 days he gives them all this like kind of mystical Josh Begreedy talk, you know, that's like, when you see it at the end, you're like, oh, that totally makes sense now, right? You're like, but seriously, it's this like prophetic, clear but not kind of stuff, and they were so aware, and Jesus gets crucified. And what do the disciples do? Yeah. It says, I'm going to read it to you because it's pretty funny and sad, but we also can all relate to it. It says right here, on the evening of that first day of the week, Okay, so Easter, Sunday, or whatever, or whenever it happened that Jesus rose from the dead. On the evening of the first day of that week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, because they were thought like, oh, crap, they killed Jesus. We're his best friends. They're coming for us next. Valid fear, probably, right? They're kind of like, did you see what they did to him? Like, you kind of start to understand why Peter was like, no, I don't know him. I don't know him, you know? Like, you kind of go, like, what an idiot, but you're also like, hmm, how many of us might fall down that little trap when you're watching Jesus bloody hanging on a cross, and you're like, you know, I'm his best friend, and people are asking you about it. Like, holy cow, crazy, right? But they gather together, and it says, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. With the doors locked. That's cool, right? I think it's Chris Vallotton. Lots of people have said this, right? Jesus didn't need to use the door because he is the door. What, right? Because he said that earlier, I am the door, right? He used that exact phrase. Anyway, he didn't need the door. So all of a sudden, like, the dude is dead, right? You just watch this thing happen, okay? You know he went into the grave and this whole thing, and you've heard testimonies like, hey, the grave's empty. We think someone stole the body. That's what pretty much everyone thought for a while there, and then Jesus appears among them. Okay, they went from afraid of the Jews to afraid of a ghost. Like your first reaction at that moment is not like, "Oh, good to see you, Jesus." Like, right? They're locked in a room, terrified. Anybody ever had like a ghost story night at home, and like, you know, or you watch a horror movie, and then you're with friends, and then like you're like, it's really dark outside, and your brain gets going, and you get all these imaginary ideas that start happening. Yeah, don't watch movies like that. That would be the answer, okay? But seriously, you can, your brain can create the craziest scenarios. Now, just imagine you're the disciples. You've got the door locked because you're afraid you're going to get crucified on a cross. That's a valid fear. And all of a sudden, the guy who you just saw die is like, Phew. that's nuts. They're like, they go from afraid to like straight up terrified. And then Jesus speaks. And this is where I want you to hear this. Jesus speaks the simplest and silliest thing, but it was a phrase that they knew because he had said it before in their presence. He says, peace be with you. They were like, oh, and immediately one moment, one encounter turned complete terror, complete fear, complete uh, misunderstanding to like, whoa. And it says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side because he's like, I better keep the scars to prove it, you know. Whatever, he can do that. It says the next thing, it says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Like, overjoyed. So they went from like, "Ah, oh, my gosh, it's him. Like, this is crazy. Their world just got flipped back right side up because they were like hanging with Jesus for three years. They were famous dudes. Everybody that was like, dude, that's one of the eleven. Twelve. Like, seriously, everywhere they went, you know, like you can imagine people in the streets. That's one of his disciples. Like, word traveled about Jesus, but his friends were part of it. You know, like, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa. They hang out with Jesus. Big deal. He gets crucified. It changes their world. Their world goes upside down and they're like, What's gonna happen? Jesus raises from the dead. It changes. And this is what Is so wild because we all know that one encounter with Jesus can bring a lot of peace to our hearts, right? You come on an encounter night, and the first hour is kind of like, yeah, we're here to worship. Is this really going to be three hours? But like an hour in, it kind of starts to, Am I right? Like, it is. It's like it takes a little bit of time sometimes to get to that place. And suddenly there's like this breakthrough that occurs, and you start to go, God, there's peace, there's joy, all the pressures of your week and your day. Like, we provide encounter nights and Wednesday nights as a taste moment for your life, not your full diet. It's like a little vitamin reality that, listen to me, if it takes an hour in this room with a band and all your friends for that weight of life to lift off of you, What could happen if you spend an hour, two hours, three hours throughout your week just going, God, just me and you, just me and you? It's like we go like, oh, the next encounter night, I can't wait to like can experience this again. It's kind of like, why do you wait? Because there is that place of like Jesus comes and it's like, overjoyed, you know, okay, it's like, but then Jesus kind of throws this crazy curveball in the mix and, This is good theology for everybody to catch tonight. But it says, Jesus says, peace be with you. And they're all overjoyed. And he goes, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So he's like, you got a job to do. Let's go. And they were suddenly not so afraid. They're like, all right, where are we going to go? Well, Jesus goes, first off, and it says he breathed on them. And what happened? Who can tell me what happened? It says Jesus breathed on them. They don't even, I don't even think they brushed their teeth back then. So yeah. But it says Jesus, Son of God, resurrected King, God of eternity, breathes on them and what? Does anybody know? It's important. What? And they received the Holy Spirit. What? It says that. He says he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Did you get help over there? Or did you know that? I saw David smirking, nice, good job. No, seriously, they received the Holy Spirit. Look at me. Receiving the Holy Spirit was a moment that they got. But then Jesus, not very long after that, is talking to them again, and he says, wait in Jerusalem and pray. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. These are different occurrences. Jesus came, he's like, have the Holy Spirit. That's good. That was so released. That was so much incredible. But uh, Jesus goes, wait, 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 wait. That's good, but there's more. And he says, wait in Jerusalem for, and how, anybody know how long they did that? They waited in Jerusalem. Anybody know? Anybody know? And they waited and they prayed together for how long? 50s, right? But not years. That would be a long time to pray. 50 days, and 50 days later after Jesus left, went up, went, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and you're going to receive power when he comes upon you. Guess what? They already had the Holy Spirit. So what's different about the Holy Spirit coming upon you? You receive power. That's the difference between, like, Jesus breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. That was done. I totally, completely believe that when you receive Jesus and accept him as your Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit, and that's great. But Jesus clearly depicts this. He says, pray and wait and contend, and I will send my Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. That's when it gets crazy. So for 50 days, they gathered together and they prayed. And then there's this big major event that happened called what? Not Passover. What? Pentecost. Anybody know what the word penta means? Five or 50. 50 days later at Pentecost. Do you get this? Five. Like the Pentagon has five sides. It's this 50 days. And that's why Pentecost, the holiday is celebrated 50 days after Easter. Okay, this is just good, like deep theology. It's really good. But you need to understand how God set this up because it's important for our lives. And at Pentecost, we know the story, right? Fire comes and tongues blow out and power. For 50 days after Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit and they're like, he's alive! They prayed and they contended with God and they're just like, what is it? What is it? They had no idea how long they were going to have to wait. Does anybody ever feel like that? (laughs) <laughs> how many of you have ever had this season where you're like, I know Jesus came and he met with me, and now I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah. Why is it, why don't I feel anything? For 50 days, they just prayed, and they were like, well, he's said to wait. They, well, How long do you think they would have done it? How If you saw the resurrected son of God in the flesh and he said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Would you have been like, my gosh, it's been three hours. Like we got a whole encounter night on the bag and it's like, where the heck is he? Would they have, would they have stayed and waited for years in Jerusalem if it was needed? Because they knew that something had marked their lives and they experienced something so radically crazy. And that's the thing I want to put forth to you tonight is extend your faith. I've said this recently a few times, like, how microwave culture are we that we're like, okay, I totally showed up on Wednesday and I was like, God, I want to feel your presence. And like 10 minutes later, it didn't happen. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to see my friends. Like, We get so stupid and patient with this stuff and we get so like half hearted with God. It's like, it was funny because I totally had told Amelia, I was like, I think I want to do a theme for April called hundred percent. And I had this weird way of doing it and all this stuff. And I was like, I just feel so lame. And then Micah goes and prays it in pre-service prayer. And I was like, dang it. I missed it. Okay. But it's this hundred percent, like at what level of cost are you willing to go to, to say, God set me on fire. And if it doesn't happen in that moment, will you quit? Or will you say, God, I'm waiting until you set me on fire? Will you? Is it like, seriously, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I want to wait that long. Then don't. But don't pretend like you are if you're not. Is that fair enough? Like, Richie put a, like, crazy call out for you guys last week. Like, if one kid in his high school would have been burning for Jesus, it would have changed his entire life. But he's like, I never saw that. And I bet most of you, if you go to public schools, can probably look around and go like, I don't know anybody burning for Jesus. That's terrible. If you go to Christian school, you might be able to look around, probably look around and go, I don't know of anybody burning for Jesus. There's just a general concept among us that's like, hey, we're all Christians. We don't have to be a testimony, whatever. I've heard that out of the mouth of Christian school people before. It's like, oh, we're all Christians. It's cool. We can talk how we want, act how we want. It's like, we don't have to be a testimony to anybody here. Oh, my gosh. What if an entire Christian school was on fire for God? All the Christians might get saved. Would <laughs> I say that? Okay. All the more in your public schools. If you can look around your public school and go, oh, my gosh, there's one down the hall that's on fire for God. Like, if you can't, somebody needs to. Like, somebody needs to burn in your school. I don't care if you're homeschooled. You're like, well, I don't know. Burn in your home. Like, your parents start calling me going, what the heck happened? Good moment. Okay, why is my child burning in the living room? And I want to encourage you right now. I don't want anybody feeling guilty tonight because I've had some of those calls in the last several months about y'all. I know, some. we're spying on you, but there's a whole bundle of you guys that are blo- getting blowed up in your bedrooms and your parents are like, ca- like texting and emailing like, oh my gosh, like you have no idea what that does to a mother or father's heart to see their child burning for Jesus. Because guess what? If your parents aren't burning, they might need you to burn so they can see what it looks like. They might love Jesus, but just don't know what burning looks like. Why do we go like, well, I'm just homeschooled. I don't even have a mission field. I bet you go to a grocery store at least once in a while. I hope you get out sometime. For crying out loud. I bet you got somebody in the neighborhood. So don't ever go like, oh, well, I don't go to school so I don't need to burn. Stop it. You can burn for yourself. You can burn for your family. You can burn for your friends. I don't care. Practice burning before your dog. You can practice. I'm so serious. If you're like, I wouldn't even know what to say if somebody asked me about Jesus. Practice preaching to your dog or your cat. Um, Good luck with that. But I'm just kidding. All right. I have to drop that in. Do you understand that this is not like if you come and we say in Airborne, we're like, pray out loud for someone. You're like, I don't know what to pray. Start praying it loud on your own. Practice praying out loud and put words into action. When God created the universe, do you know what he did? He didn't go like this and go like, I don't know what to say. Let there be light. He spoke it, and it just, boom, it was. Okay? He did all of that. He spoke it all into existence, and then guess what he goes, He goes, I'm going to make Adam different. He didn't speak Adam. He didn't say, ah, let there be Adam. He got down on the ground and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him what I got. And he breathed into Adam's lungs. Jesus breathed on his disciples. Come on. The breath of life and man became a living soul. You have creative power in your speaking, in your praying. So if your entire prayer life is like, it's not wrong to pray quietly. But what if there's creative power in saying it out loud? If you drive a car, your trip from home to school can be praying. Out loud, the people next to you will think you're crazy, and they might get saved. Are you going to limit? I know, but hold your phone up and act like you're talking to someone. Just hold up your phone. Unless it's a cop next to you, then, you know, okay? Seriously, pray out loud. Declare what's true. Like, burn, 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 burn. You have creative power in who you are, and the Holy Spirit wants to fill you up. Okay? It's even crazy. Even Jesus had to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? It says so. Right? He got baptized in the water. He was the Holy Spirit. He was God. He's like the whole package deal. But as a man, he went into the water, and the Holy Spirit came and... And then the next verse says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to pray and fast. For 40 days. So Jesus got like 40 days of preparation. And you see it all the way through Jesus' ministry. What did he go do? Every time a miracle happened, you look back a couple verses and it's like Jesus went away to pray. What in the world, right? And before he went to the cross, he went and prayed. And he's like, disciples, come pray with me. They all fell asleep. I'm super guilty of that one. I can fall asleep while praying a lot. It's harder if you pray out loud, though. It's really hard to fall asleep praying out loud. Try it. If you find yourself having devotions and you're just like, pray out loud. Okay? Come on Sunday to prayer time in the Tigris-Euphrates and practice praying out loud. If you're on the mission team, I'm sorry if you hate praying out loud. Start practicing before Sunday because it's on. You can still bail out if you're, if you're too afraid to pray out loud, whatever. You don't have to go. Like, but come on, we're going to like pray together. And we want to actually agree with what we're praying. And I can't agree with you if you stand there in the corner. I have no idea what you're praying for. So how do I say, yes, God, I'm with you. I concur. I agree. Pray out loud. You can't really mess it up. Because you're not praying to me or anybody else. It's God that wants to hear your heart, and there's other people around you that want to go like, "Yes, I believe." if you're like, "I wanted my family to be saved and every and you have forty people around you that go, "Yes, there's creative power in an outspoken word, not like, yeah, maybe I don't know, there's power there too. I'm not like discounting it. But 50 days, they were like, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit will come and fill you if you don't quit waiting. But it is so easy to quit waiting because you're like, well, he didn't come. That person laid their hands on me, and they said that was going to happen, and it didn't happen, so whatever. Maybe God's not even real. Right? Dave Moore and I were talking this morning about purity and all this kind of stuff. And we use all these silly phrases like, if you would – if you wouldn't do it in front of Jesus, then you shouldn't do it with anybody. You know, like, then it's probably not right. Okay, right, yeah. And Dave was like, yeah, I grew up with this sense. And I was like, I'm like, well, I don't even know if Jesus is really here. You start getting an attitude like, well, he didn't show up. Well, <laughs> are you setting your heart in a place Where Jesus is welcome or are you like, hey, I'm going to live this little dark side life over here and hide from it and wonder, I don't know why Jesus doesn't show up in my world. That's idiotic. If you're going like, I don't think God's real. I don't feel his presence. How long will you contend? How long will you say, all right, God, if it takes me 60 years to encounter you in a powerful way, I am waiting and I am praying and I will not turn aside in my faith and belief in who you are. And I'm like, I know God is better than that. So I do not believe he's going to make you wait 60 years to show up. I do not believe that. But if your heart isn't willing to go there, he knows that. If your heart's only going to toil for like, I, man, this is like 15 minutes of the longest prayer meeting in the whole wide world. Can we just get the heck out of here? Jesus is like, well, I don't know. I don't have to come. Like, Do you get this? I don't want to make anybody feel guilty. I just want to, like, put a little fire under you that's like, what is the length of your faith? Are you willing to say, God, you're it? Not, God, I'll believe you if you fill in the blank. How many times have we made ultimatums to God? I'll believe you're real if. Oh, my gosh. As if he owes us some crazy debt. Really, truly, do you believe that God owes you something? Really? In the depths of your heart, are you looking and going like, God, why do you suck? I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people have said, I I asked for God to come and he didn't show up. I talk to adults a lot. Of, a lot. They're like, oh, yeah, I did the church thing. Never did anything for me. That's the stupidest phrase I have ever heard. Because Your relationship with Jesus isn't supposed to do something for you. It's supposed to be die to yourself. Just give up on. I know, and that sounds like, well, why would I want to do that? That's exactly the problem with our world and our culture. I don't want to die. I'd rather live my. Oh, man. I have a whole bunch of verses that I was going to talk about here. I didn't get there, though. Gosh, I'm going to do a minute of it, though. I looked up verses I Googled, verses on dying to, dying to your flesh, like dying to yourself. I was like, "Is it how many times is it actually in the Bible? Because it's like, it's a concept we hear, die to yourself. And the Google search came back, and it was like a bunch of verses listed. And I was like, oh, I'll print this, and I'll just have it, you know, ready. 14 pages. I was like, never mind. I don't want to print that. So then I was like, well, I'll reduce it to like size 6 font, and then maybe it'll be 8 pages. Like... On just the verses that address dying to yourself. So I wrote down like four because I was like, whatever, that's a waste of paper. Because I couldn't read all of it anyway to you tonight. So Galatians 5.16, I say, oh wait, not that one. Other side. Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He already paid the debt that, quote, he owes you. If you really believe that he owed you something. He did it at the cross. So the life I now live, I live by faith. I live this life by faith. If God never gives me one more encounter the rest of my life, I don't care. I've shared with this with you before. I do not need another encounter from God to hold my faith through the rest of my life. I will die a happy old man if I never feel the presence of God again. Full of faith to stand before God. But guess what? I know God's better than that. (laughs) So in that place of faith, I just go like, I know he's coming. And I've never been disappointed. Come on. Like, that's crazy. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions. Oh, man, I think we all have fleshly passions. It's really easy to get caught up in that. Romans 12, 1, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Worship isn't for you to get this like, I love that feeling. That'll happen. But if you come to worship to get a warm, fuzzy feeling, you're missing the point. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, like die. Just die. It's really good. Let the flesh die. Oh, it's so powerful. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then it goes from there. It says, I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I said this today when we were talking about purity and stuff. It's like if you deal with temptation, there is one place that's really hard to fall to temptation. is in the middle of an encounter with God. Because when you get... Filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've had that experience, you know what that feels like. You're like, you are not thinking about the porn site you visited last night. You're just like, what is this incredible? Like, it's like, you walk, in the, you're, walk in the Spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. If you walk in the flesh, you're going to desire the flesh. It's just how it works. But you stand and go like, the Spirit is on me and he's in me. What power there is says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Yeah, that's a bummer. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Like you actually like go like, nope, dead. No, dead. Any deed of the body. And it's like all of it. It's everything. It's like your desire for money, your desire for food, your desire for clothes, your desire for a car, your desire for a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Put it all to death and let God give it all back exactly, full of life, totally. God is not the type of God to leave you destitute. It's like there's a whole bunch of verses about that. He takes care of the sparrows. He takes care of the flowers of the fields. And it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added unto you. The whole, All these things that was right before that was food, clothing, finances, provision, All that you need, God will add to you if you give up fighting for those things and say, God, whatever. I don't need any of it. Kill it. Just kill that stuff and go, man. If you get whiny about things and like, oh my gosh. My mom didn't have the right kind of cereal in the cabinet. It was the worst morning ever. Oh, I know. You guys are, oh, that's deep, right? It's like, ah. What in the world? We don't have any juice boxes left. Like, mom, what a stupid, stupid thing. Like, you hear it now, you're like, oh my gosh, but we've all been guilty of that crap, right? Look at me, I know. Mom, round of Hershey syrup, I'm gonna die here. Like, how dare you? No, I'm so serious. Look at me. Look at me. How many of you get frustrated and upset by things? Okay? Oh, good. We all do. I want you to examine your heart. If you can be mature enough, some of you maybe can, I don't know, whatever. If you can be mature enough, when you get frustrated and upset, say, does this bother God? And if you cannot say, oh, man, that really bugs him. And seriously, not in a joking fashion, like, no, God really loves her. She's thorough, man. Like, come on. Does this really bother your father in heaven? Get over it if it doesn't. I'm so serious. Go like, God, I'm putting that to death because Hershey syrup will not bring me into eternal life. It will not bring great joy to my life. In fact, it's going to add calories and extra around the middle. Like, let's be honest. Seriously, this is like so practical to your everyday life when you get just so angry and so mad. Go like, does this bother my Father God in heaven? who put his son on the cross to set me free from this crap. It's like, oh, my gosh, I need that label on my clothing. Oh, my gosh, Mom, I cannot wear that. Are you kidding me? We'll have a real fun in Guatemala seeing what it looks like to not have the label. I'm done, like, and I don't mean that to be like, you're all going to see. I just really think you're all going to see. It's not about that, but guess What? The minute you get out of your perfect American bubble where it's like the deepest poverty in America is like eight times more wealthy than the normal in most of the world. The deepest poverty in America gets health care. Katie lived for five years in Haiti. Not the case everywhere in the world. Am I right? We're about to, I mean, those that are going to Guatemala, we are going to people that live at the garbage dump. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that live in these little shack things. And most of their clothing, food, and their house was pulled out of the garbage dump of the wealthy parts of their country. Like they go in every day and they scavenge for what they can sell, what they can build their house with, what they can eat. Hey, look, a pair of shoes. They don't match, but they're the right size. Okay, and this is not guilt I don't want you to receive guilt. I just want to wake you up that there are bigger things to worry about in your world than food and clothing. So I hope you're challenged. I hope it's like this is part of being on fire is going like, God, I want you to burn everything that's not completely pleasing before you. And that looks like devices and it looks like clothes and labels and all that kind of stuff. I heard about a mom that did this. I'll end with this. I heard this recently that she caught her parent or she, the mom caught her kids laughing and joking about some kid at school's clothing. That was like pretty shabby and off brand and whatever and hand me down. And she said, Oh man. So they went off to school that day. She took every stitch of clothing they owned away and hid it. And they got home from school that day, said we're going to Goodwill and here's 20 bucks. And you buy the clothes that you live in for the next week or two or whatever she said. Okay? Which to some people are like, sweet deal, right? Like, if you're like the super creative dressing people. But, no, these kids were not that type. They were like, it's label. It's the right thing. It's all about that. Holy cow, does it change your paradigm and your structure of how things work. And shuts your dang mouth about laughing about people who maybe don't have what you have. Like, like the devil loves that crap let's divide people on stupid tags on clothing that were made by people that make about 50 cents a day. <laughs> okay. Some of them. That's like, it's rough stuff, but guys, look, this is like, I hope this hits practical in your lives. Okay. Cause if you s- spend most of your life whining and griping about how bad it is for you and how bad this and that, there's a reassessment to have. If you're saying, man, I'm burning for Jesus and Screw you, Mom. Oh, no, I'm dead serious. If your parents are, like, laying things out, going like this, 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 and you're like, <laughs> stop. I have a mission trip to go to. I'm not taking out the trash. Like, I, like, right? Talk bad to your mom. Like, no, Mom, I'm going on the mission trip. I love Jesus. I'm going to encounter night. I can't do what you asked me to do, Mom. Like, don't you dare come to an encounter night after blowing your parents off all afternoon. Like, why? I'm going to go be so holy at church, and your mom's taking out your trash and emptying your dishwasher after you leave with tears on her face because you just totally dishonored. Do you get this? It is a bigger part of your life to be burning for Jesus, and it's stupid to fake it and be like, oh, yeah, I go to church. It's the best. And I love that you all, like I hear from parents, like, kid. I love that my kids love coming to church. And that blesses my heart like crazy, but if you come to church because you just want to meet up with so-and-so that you have a crush on, like, knock it off. Knock it off. That's crazy to me because we want to honor the presence of God in this house. We seriously believe in this, and we pray for hours a week in this house and have for 30 years for the presence of God to be preeminent in this place and nothing else to rise above it. We want you to come and meet your friends. That's awesome. I'm not kicking that whatsoever. But if you're like, man, I cannot wait till this Jesus part gets over so I can hang out with my girlfriend. Come on. Not cool. Right? Thank you. Very good. Come on. It's like there's so much more to this relationship with God than filling your little church card thing. And then go to school going like, whatever. It's cool. Like, You aren't going to change your culture like that. You're going to make more people look at the church and go, hypocrites. I see what they act like on Wednesday and Sunday, and they come back. Oh, we have an encounter night but it's never visible at school. Like really, truly. I think Jesus would probably, if he stood here today, be like, if you're in, you're in. If you're not, you're not. He said, anyone who's not willing to take up their cross and follow me daily is not worthy of me. He did say stuff like that. How about it? Take up your cross daily. What is a cross for? What is a cross for? To kill things. It's a death sentence. Jesus said, no, take up your cross every day and kill the flesh. Every day. And if you're not willing to, you're not worthy of me. And Jesus was unapologetic. He'd challenge people all the time. Come on, let's go. And they'd be like, I don't know about that. I'm not really in. He'd be like, fine, go. Jesus wasn't like, okay, I'm sorry. How about halfway? We'll be cool. We'll make a deal. Jesus was like, no, it's in or it's out, and that's how it works. There isn't an in-between, like, I'm 50-50. I'm married for 15 years, and I cannot live every day and say, honey, I wore a tux. We walked down the aisles. Get over it. But we treat God like that all the time. I said a prayer. I'm going to heaven. Stop bothering me, God. Right? You cannot just go get married and then not have a marriage. God doesn't want you to be this like, boop, we had a great ceremony. Like, that's so dumb. And none of you want to be married like that. Don't marry God like that. Oh. I'm just droning on now forever. Sorry, guys. I really, this, just my heart is so like bursting for this reality for each of your lives. It's like, I hope there's a part of conviction that's hitting your heart going like, crap, I'm out of line. Good. Respond to it. Judas got guilty because he screwed up. And he went and killed himself because he couldn't handle the guilt. Peter screwed up and he came back to Jesus and Jesus said, I knew you are coming. And Jesus built his church on that guy. So if you're feeling condemnation, if you're feeling guilt, whatever, let the Holy Spirit work and respond to it and go, okay, I'm changing. He's really good at forgetting the past. Start it right tonight. Turn it around and go, okay, I know more now. I want to burn and be different tomorrow. Burn tomorrow at school and make people go, what the heck? He was totally like not like this yesterday. How fun would that be? But don't go back on Friday different again. Like, stay on fire for God. So nobody can accuse the church of being fake anymore. Come on, stand up. We got to be done with this. I know your butts. We put the rugs back. At least that's getting softer. Anyway, come on, put your hands up. Come on, be lightning rods. Lightning is really good at starting fires. I've watched it happen. It's amazing. It's like real quick, boom. I'm calling you out tonight. I am, seriously, and with no, like, shame to put upon you. But I hope there's conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, wow, this is out of line. Jesus isn't worried about that. He's saying, okay, put it on your cross and carry it. Let it die and show the world that the flesh is dying in your life every single day. It's okay to have issues. Put it on the cross and let the world see your scars. Put it on the cross and watch, like, show them. That died. I used to be addicted to pornography. Guess what, guys? And you knew I was because we did it. We watched it together, which is weird, okay? Come on. Whatever it might be, your little addiction, your little thing, your little temptation, put it on the cross and tell people, look, it's dying, and I'm done with it show it off jesus came with his scars and said these are your sins i beat them remember he could have healed the scars but he's like nope 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 this is the testimony of power over sin right here the marks of what has been done but it's free now so come on god i thank you for the flesh being placed on our cross god That we would emulate the things that you set in motion, God. That we would see what you did for us on the cross and every day walk it forward in great faith. And God, we know you send your spirit to fill us. We know you send it. So God, we don't give up. We don't wait. We pray more. And we stand and we contend for our generation. And your Holy Spirit comes and empowers us to do things we cannot do in our flesh, God. So I thank you for this generation and I thank you for the burning and the fire that they're bringing to their school, God. Everybody likes to watch a fire. God, let this generation be so seen by their culture. We thank you for what you're doing in hearts tonight, God. And Holy Spirit, we pray you'd minister as everybody goes home tonight, even laying in their beds, that you'd speak to them. Set them free, God. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. Come on, grab prayer tonight, guys. Seriously, grab prayer tonight. If something's going on in your heart, go like, find a friend, find a leader, and say, pray for me right now. Agree, and do it out loud. It's really good. Pray for one another and encourage each other. We got snack over there. Love you guys. See you Sunday. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.